Welcome to the Mac Emerge Podcast. My name is Teresa Chan, and with me I have Kevin Dom, Brendan Trotter, and Joanna Dida, and we'll be your podcast team. Our goal is to connect all the McMaster affiliated emergency physicians so we all get to know each other a little better. We have so much great talent and expertise in this region. We want to highlight it into one regional podcast. Each podcast features one invited guest to speak about their expertise or interests. Additionally, we will feature external speakers who have delivered regional rounds at one of our teaching sites. And don't forget about the residents. We'll be featuring stories about our residents and what they've been up to as well. All right, are you ready? Let's get started with this month's episode. Thanks again for listening to the May episode of Mac Emerge Podcast. My name is Kevin Dong, and today I want to introduce you to the few segments that we have on our show. The first one is Dr. Teresa Chan interviewing Dr. Barry Lum, who is the lead for the Hamilton Health Sciences Odyssey Project, which is to transform the electric medical records into using EPIC. Dr. Lum is going to speak to us about the process as well as the importance of modernizing the electric health records for better patient care as well as quality improvements and other scholarship activities. Additionally, we have an awesome resident corner ready for you today. Make sure you stay tuned for Dr. Ben Forstel's awesome segment. And lastly, check out the clip from our Gritty Nurse podcast hosts. They are an amazing group of nurses who have an amazing podcast tackling some of the same issues that we do at Mac Emerge Podcast. So if you're interested in looking for another podcast recommendation, listen to the promo that we have embedded in this clip for you and make sure you check them out. Otherwise, I'm hoping that you're staying safe during the third wave and please make sure to take care of yourselves as well. And let's all work together to fight this pandemic. Hello everyone, I'm here with Dr. Barry Lum. He has been someone who has been an inspiration to a lot of us because of his roles in physician leadership. But Barry has recently taken a job as someone who is leading a big change at Hamilton Health Sciences. So Barry, do you want to say hi and kind of explain what you've been working on? Hi, everybody. Yeah, so I'm now uh, moved out of one of my other physician leadership roles, and, and I'm what they call the uh, executive lead or, or the, the overall lead for the implementation of the EPIC electronic health record at Hamilton Health Sciences. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. So with the Mac PFD Spark podcast, sometimes we have conversations with people who are interested in different kinds of scholarship. And I know you've been really big into the area of clinical leadership, clinical scholarship, and how that all fits into the academy. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about your perspective on that? So specifically with regard to the electronic health record, I think, you know, what people need to to take the opportunity to do is pause and say to themselves, how can I take advantage of what's coming to do the things that interest me the most? And whether that's clinical trials or quality and patient safety or uh, just best possible clinical care and education, those are all things that I would like to think we've all been committed to in one form or another throughout our careers. And, and I think now the question is, what can we do within the EPIC world that will facilitate your continued progress? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really important kind of perspective to have, because I think that 
you know, there's a guy named Boyer who wrote about different kinds of scholarship, scholarship of uh, discoveries, scholarship of application, scholarship of teaching and learning, scholarship of integration. And he did actually double back and write about a, a concept called the scholarship of engagement, which I think for us who are in the health sciences is truly about going into the community and serving. And I think the clinicians of the, of the group have always taken for granted that that's our other job. But rather, I think that your challenge is to think, how can this be something that is, that is meaningful and is helpful for the community around us? How can we actually turn some of that clinical care work that we do into a scholarly endeavor and see it that way? And I think that uh, maybe reframing it as an opportunity to engage our community to really raise, in our case, the hammer, because we're both in Hamilton, right? But to raise capacity, raise awareness about how we can actually help fight some of the social injustices, the health inequities of the world. And, and, uh, and I think that that's that last kind of scholarship that we sometimes don't talk about very much because, well, Boyer didn't put in his first four, so sometimes people forget about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I need to be a little bit careful. I, I wouldn't pretend and nobody would ever accuse me of being a successful researcher, but I think we would all say that we are committed to the academic mission. And, you know, whatever domain you find that you manage to, to make a contribution, that that's really, that's fantastic. And, and you should take the opportunity to continue to do that. You know, I was just thinking about your comment about Hamilton and the opportunity to do some meaningful work in the Hamilton environment. And if you go back to the old Code Red and, and all of the concepts about disadvantaged folks and population health and how we should be doing better for marginalized communities in Hamilton, an EHR like Epic is incredibly powerful to do that. And if you have a specific question, you can come and mine the data and then decide what it is that you want to try and get out of that. It's really quite remarkable. And I'll give you one quick example. Of, there, there is a way, it's actually very simple uh, within the Epic world to do a natural language search. So if you say, I would like to know every patient who has, who's homeless or who's food insecure or any of those kinds of issues or questions, alcohol use disorder, substance use disorder, whatever that might be, you can actually search all of the records related to your patients who have those words in their record and use that as a place to start your, your inquiry and to start thinking about how you would like to approach this. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, right? Like I think that it'll take a little bit of time for us to get there, but I think that some of the biggest leaps I think people have made have been when the advent of the EHR enables people to gain new insights, that idea of digital transformation, right? So digitalization is taking taking a chart and scanning it, but going towards a true digital transformation means that we can actually hold that data in a different way, fold it in a different way, represent it in a different way, visualize it in different ways and gain new insights from that data. Amazon's been doing this for decades. That's how they know before I even want a book that I'll want the book, right? Uh, (laughs) And I think that hopefully we can start to think about rather than being reactive, how might we use these data to be proactive in the health services that we give? And I think that that's the great power of thinking about how we could use these data to serve our communities better and engage in that really novel, new kinds of service-oriented scholarship. That's, that's to me, I think, a great proposition. Yeah, completely agree. I'm not sure this is 
entirely relevant, but I, I would just tell you that as an example, Epic has has a module called Cosmos, and they have used that module, which is a research-based opportunity within the U.S. to do research in the COVID world across literally 70 or more thousand patients who are in their system who have had COVID and they can search their records. And people have been publishing frequently, both in the epic world and externally in peer-reviewed environments, just using that opportunity because there are so many patients in that world. And, and so it's a, it's a remarkable technology. Yeah. And it makes me think how, you know, like for people who are in my generation or the people that are coming up later, I mean, I think that as a health service leader, you're going to need to know these analytics. And even if you don't identify as being a researcher, you're probably still using the same tools, regression, natural language processing, NLP, like which is NLP, machine learning algorithms. You're probably heading into a territory where as a leader, you're going to be using these to gain data insights. And I think that my challenge to you as someone who does faculty development is to say, okay, well, you're, you're, you're close to maybe even just writing that up then, right? And so I do think that, you know, there is a merger that's going to come from, from doing all these things because a lot of us might have shied away from doing some of the scholarship because it was really hard to get the data. And so we were, you know, going off and doing leadership, but if leadership comes with the need to be analytical, to be data-driven, then you know what, like, you know, find a good writing partner and start fostering them as a collaborator because you're probably like two steps away from having a little brief report or some kind of like innovation report. Or, you know, if you do multiple cycles, the idea of quality improvement, um, those are those are the kind of things that we can be using this data for. And I think it unfurls a whole line of scholarship that didn't exist before. Yeah. So let me just make a comment about the leadership point, which I think is really important, Teresa. Even if as a leader, you don't see yourself as a clinical trials researcher, you need to speak the language in order to truly provide mentorship and guidance to your group and to help take them down a path that interests them. So in order for you to be able to do that, you've got to at least have a basic understanding of the language and principles. And so whatever role people choose. And if they choose to get on the health leadership track, that doesn't get them off the hook in terms of being able to speak that language and to know where to take people to get the help that they need. And, and so I would say to the folks that, that, you know, please, as you think about that, don't give it up just because you're going down one direction or another. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be part of the team. Yeah, and I think that that's where we need to start thinking about how to assemble teams better. And as a, as a health services leader, I think that's the insight that you have to have. Exactly what Barry's talking about is how can you bring people in that might not have the skill sets that you have that are actually complementary to you? How do you assemble, you know, your version of the Avengers to be able to fight health inequity or or to win a big grant to knowledge translate some of the work that's being done, you know, in the bench or at the at the laboratory, um, and bring it to the bedside? I think that as we become more nuanced about how we think about analytics, we can have, find better partners to be able to bring them to the table and work on things together. So try not to be as siloed as we once were. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what's the most exciting part about being part of this project. I'm going to say it's truly about the transformation. And 
you know, this is a podcast, you won't see me, but like, I'm old and gray, and I've been around a very long time, and I won't be in clinical practice probably five years from now, but being able to be part of that massive transformation for all of our colleagues, it's an incredible privilege, actually, to be able to be part of that and to try to take the message out to, to everybody by doing podcasts or going to department meetings and so on. You know, I'm, I'm not a tech expert. I'm getting better and I'm starting to understand it and, and really appreciate the, the incredible power of it. But the opportunity to help take HHS kicking and screaming into the, into the correct century is, is really quite a, a cool opportunity. Yeah. And I think it goes to talk about that growth mindset. We can always talk about with our learners, but you know, like you're, you're living it, right? Like you're someone who's done a whole bunch of other stuff you've led in other circles and this is a new skill set. You're, you're just diving in, right? Both feet and just going for it. And I, I, and I really think that, you know, that speaks to the idea of lifelong learning and that you, you don't have to stop just because the world moves on, you can keep up with it. And so thanks so much for being a champion of that. Cause I think that, you know, like it's easy to get complacent. I'm not as far into my career as you obviously, but at the same time, I see the pull of being complacent, right? And I think the pandemic was a big wake up for that is that, you know, you can't really get complacent about your learning. You have to kind of keep keep up to date because you never know when the big new disease state or new advancements are going to be coming down the chute. And I think that's the challenge of, you know, and the privilege of being uh, at an academic teaching center is that, you know, you'll have your learners probably shoving you into it if you if you didn't you know read the latest new england journal or jama article about some new advancement but but i think that we also have to think about how we can grow the other parts of ourselves as well right so whether that's to take on new tech maybe it's learning a new skill maybe it's understanding equity diversity and inclusion something that you know if it wasn't on the radar when you first trained maybe it's about understanding what people mean by social justice and health inequity because again it wasn't on the radar when we were training so how do we stay on top of these new emerging issues that they might have always been there a little bit but they weren't uh they were the undercurrent they weren't something that was so prevalent and so yeah i think it's really nice that you're you know um being a great example of how you can dive into the world a little bit further yeah you know we're we're so uh lucky and and you were used the word privilege to sit around the table with really really smart people who have many, many different phenotypes and bringing that all together, whether it's in an electronic health record or just at the opportunity to uh, rub shoulders with people, like this is an incredible opportunity for all of us. It's, it's exciting and, and it is the opportunity to stay fresh. And so if you had any wisdom that you wanted to pass on, this is a great venue to do that. So I might ask you, from your point of view, what are some of the lessons learned of leading big projects like this? This is not the first big leadership role you've had, but um, for someone who wants to follow in maybe your footsteps, maybe carve out their own path in physician leadership or healthcare leadership, what what are some pro tips that you have that, that you think that people should bear in mind? I'll start and let's see if I, if I can try and put this into something that's semi-lucid. From a leadership point of view and the opportunity to get involved in projects and transformation, there is, in, in my experience or my opinion, the greatest skill you can bring to the table is to shut up and listen. And a very senior mentor of mine once told me that the most important thing he 
came to realize as a leader was the more he listened, the more he realized that there was a whole lot of other ways to go about a solution or to deal with somebody's concerns. So that's just an old man saying, listen, if you're going to do anything, learn how to be an effective listener. I think Crowther actually still has something on his desk and, and it's a little post-it note and it says, wait, and it says, why am I talking? <laughs> Uh, so it's it's really about uh, about that, and then it's the opportunity to. And I think you you need to be careful to consult widely and and to take into consideration a variety of positions. And then it's the really neat part about going to people who are really expert and getting them to educate you so that you can take their message forward. Those are kind of rambling thoughts, Teresa, but that's just what comes to my mind. Yeah. And I mean, I think it makes sense that that's top of mind for you, because in this big new project that you've been working on, I'm sure you have to listen to so many stakeholders because great software design and systems design from the computer side has always or needs to be grounded in usability. Right. And so that listening journey that you're doing right now, it it totally makes sense that that's what wisdom you want to pass on, because I think you do have to listen to your end users because we all have been on the other side of really bad software. And if the people leading the tech solutions just bowl us over, we're going to be doing 72 clicks to get to something we needed in two clicks, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a a piece of reassurance too, that if people actually do think you're and and appreciate that not only you're, you're, you're actually hearing them and they've got a concern and you can put that concern to bed and allow them to focus on the bigger picture, that's huge. Right. So how am I going to order X or Y? Well, actually, you know, Johnny, that's very easy. Here's how you do it. I can show you that in 10 seconds. So, but what else are you interested in this? And and so it it leads to the next step and and to to going from worry to engagement. And that makes sense to me. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really delightful to speak with you. Is there anything else that you wanted to like plug out there to remind people of as we head into this new digital healthcare world? So I I, I would just say it's an old fashioned term, but seize the moment. This is an opportunity to really take advantage of and exploit the opportunities of this kind of system that's coming to us and take some time to explore it and see how it will fit into what your own interests are. And and I bet we can really uh, help you. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Cool. Thank you. Welcome to Residence Corner, where you will learn about some of the awesome work that our McMaster Emerge residents have been up to. Hello, everyone. It's Ben, and welcome back to Residence Corner here on the Mac Emerge podcast. This month, we'll be talking about an exciting and important new resident created and led initiative called the Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Anti-Racism Committee, or idea for short. I've been lucky to have been involved with this group and learned from all the other excellent residents. And I'm also lucky to have two excellent resident leaders from our MacEmerge Royal College program in our idea group who will be sharing a little bit more about how idea came to be, the work we've done so far, and how we hope to promote some change in our local and maybe national community going forward. 
Catherine and Maggie, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Ben, for having us. Uh, my name is Catherine. I'm a PGY3 resident at Mac Emerge. Thanks for having us, Ben. My name is Maggie, and I'm one of the first year residents in Mac Emerge. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us today. Now, Catherine, you have definitely been uh, an incredible leader for us uh, with the IDEA Committee and really uh, spurned this idea on. I know this question is, is quite broad, but could you speak briefly about your motivation for creating IDEA and kind of what you're hoping to achieve with this awesome committee? So it's been a really organic, collaborative, and fun process. I liken it to realizing that you actually have all the puzzle pieces in front of you, and it's just a matter of putting them together in order to see the big picture. It all started in August of last year when we started a WhatsApp group of just residents in our program who were interested in anti-racist and anti-oppressive practice, and it really just snowballed from there. A lot of the motivation for what we do comes from residents within the group. Everyone on the team brings their own initiatives and perspectives, and we all support each other to turn those ideas into really tangible actions. And so in the last eight months, we've gone from a somewhat rogue WhatsApp group to a formally recognized committee by our program. We've secured funding, and we're about to launch our first curriculum proposal. I know. It, it's so exciting, and it, it's pretty amazing to have been a, a part of the team. Maggie, as a junior resident, uh, you and I have both kind of been a part of the team since day one. What has work looked like as a member of the IDEA committee so far? Yeah, so I think similar to what Catherine said, one of the privileges about being part of this committee and this team is that everybody is, I think, such a leader in their own way. And everybody has really taken initiative and within IDEA have started their own passion projects that have contributed to IDEA being such a success. So for myself, Dr. Alavian, Dr. Thatch, and Dr. Chan, we've worked on Journal Club as being part of the IDEA committee. So trying to bring a more of an academic perspective to the themes of IDEA into the curriculum. And then we've had other residents like Dr. Lauren Beals really work hard on, on a curriculum proposal to actually integrate the fundamentals of, of what IDEA believes in into our formal curriculum with McMaster so that it is spread out to residents at all levels. And so I guess to sum up, I would say that the resident contribution has been really organic, like Catherine said as well. So Everybody, if, if you have something you're passionate about, something that you really want to do, there's been space to do that and support from everybody around us. Yeah, I think it's it's a wonderful group and we've all been able to learn so much from each other. And it's been pretty amazing to already see the impacts within our program we have made, especially with the launch of our new curriculum. We will continue to make and those impacts will be integrated into the Macamer residency curriculum for years to come. It's so exciting to see. And I know you are speaking about things uh, such as Journal Club and the curriculum. Maggie, I know we've already launched a few things from the ideas in our group. So could you speak a little bit about what we've helped create locally within our program already in the last eight months? What we have going right now is uh, our Journal Club is 
set up to start in July of next year. So it will start to be delivered to the, the new resident cohort. And we also have our curriculum, but it hasn't been officially rolled out yet. But once it is, there will be formal sessions uh, that all of the residents in Macamerge will be required to attend. So it will be actually part of the full curriculum. Yeah, it's exciting to see how this program will enrich our, our academic curricula and then even uh, thinking about our, our residency selection. I know that uh, uh, Dr. Balakumar and uh, Jana, one of our PGY1s, is really integral in promoting equity and inclusion within our program through changes to the CARMS process, as well as some implicit bias training for our residency selection committee members, which I know has already made an impact this year. Yeah, exactly. And I think Jana was also part of the group that led creating a, a statement for anti-racism that actually was put up on our CARMS website and on the MacEmerge website. So that was great that we could kind of take an official stance and idea was a part of that too. Now, Catherine, I know that not only at our, our local program level, but at uh, the wider level in, in Hamilton and even nationally, we've got some members of our group contributing to different equity, diversity, and inclusion groups. Would you be able to speak a little bit about that and the collaboration between our groups and other residency programs as well? Yeah, for sure. Uh, locally, like Maggie and yourself were mentioning, there's lots of support that we've been getting from our program. But the more work we do, the more that we're learning that there's lots of interest overall in what we're doing from other spaces as well. So we've connected with other residency groups at McMaster and within PGME to share best practices and ideas about doing this work. We've also connected with other eMERGE residency groups across the country, including speaking to some folks in Vancouver and U of T. And in particular, Dr. Dell and Dr. Heyman out of U of T have been a big inspiration for our curriculum project. And then at CAPE, there is a CAPE uh, BIPOC group that some of our residents are a part of and are leading. And so it's really great to see the different layers of equity work that's being done both locally and nationally. It's exciting to see this community that, that will be growing and promoting all these important values going forward in emergency medicine in Canada. Catherine, I think there were some hints of what uh, we'll be uh, doing going forward from all the work we've been doing with the IDEA committee. But what sort of changes can we expect to see in the curriculum as a result of our work with the IDEA group? Yeah, so Maggie was giving us a little teaser. Um, we have right now officially gotten our curriculum plan approved and we're going to launch in fall of 2021. So it's definitely still a work in process, but we have a plan for moving forward. We're going to start off by organizing some specific sessions. Some of the topics that we have coming up are gender in medicine, anti-racist practice, care of detained patients, and trauma-informed care. So that's sort of the next tangible steps that you might see coming up the pipeline. But I think in terms of overall changes, I think we really hope to highlight community expertise. So much advocacy work is done outside of hospitals and outside of medicine. And so rather than reinventing the wheel, um, I think we should really be focusing on learning from community experts and recognizing how we can gain skills in practicing safe, equitable, and just medicine. Of course, the ultimate change is culture change. 
And I think the goal is that this shouldn't feel like a standalone educational initiative that you feel obligated to do because it's trending on Twitter. This should feel like a core competency of our training because that's ultimately what it is. Yeah, there, there's so much uh, about medicine that we don't learn the, the human side and understanding where people's, uh, you know, where they come from and how their culture uh, affects how they interact with us in the emergency department. And I know this group will, will help make it feel like a safer space in our emergency departments for our patients, for team members, for physicians and learners. And hopefully can help integrate that in with our community to make sure we're providing the best care for everyone. Now, I know I'm really excited to be part of this wonderful group of motivated, empathetic, and uh, humanistic residents. And I know from my participation in the CARMS process this year, there were many medical students who are now going to be amazing emergency medicine residents who are keen to join and get involved. Maggie, how would any interested residents, medical students, or staff physicians uh, become involved with IDEA? Yeah, I think um, it's great that we had so much interest and it was really encouraging at CARMS and just interacting with medical students on the ward and, you know, on my off service rotations and in eMERGE. There does seem to be a really big interest in this in this initiative. So it's really exciting. And we, I would say that we welcome um, anybody who's keen and who has the time and feels that they can, you know, put in some of the work and be, has ideas and can, and can help us. I, I don't think we would necessarily turn anybody away. So I think if you're interested, if you're a medical student or a resident, and you don't know where to start, definitely feel free to contact me. You can email me if you like. It's maggie.vincent at medportal.ca. And I can help you get involved if there's something specific you have, or if you just have more questions um, and maybe want to join a team meeting and see if it's for you. I think we would welcome that. In, in terms of staff, we're always looking for staff expertise and for staff to help lead and take initiative and kind of be the senior voice in some of our projects. Um, I know, especially for our journal club, we're specifically looking for leaders for certain journal clubs. So if you're a staff and you're listening to this and you have some interest, feel free to reach out to me. I may be reaching out to you in the next little while. Um <laughs> But I, I think, it, I mean, unless if Catherine has any other opinions, I mean, I think it's really an open door. Like if you want to be part of this work, we are excited about that. And there's lots to be done. Um, and uh, it's really kind of whatever you can contribute. Yeah, I totally echo that sentiment. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at any time. My email is catherine.chan at medportal.ca. We're always looking for people to work with and to learn from. So if you have any ideas too that you want um, us to know about and us to help actualize, then absolutely reach out. We'd love to hear more. Amazing. Catherine, Maggie, thank you so much for your time. I feel lucky to have learned from you both uh, as clinicians, uh, people, as friends, and I'm really excited about all our work going forward with the IDEA group. And I, uh, I speak on behalf of the IDEA committee. I think that, uh, yeah, we're motivated and looking forward to making some changes at Mac Emerge and looking for any help we can get. So thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben.
Hi, and welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion related to health and healthcare. My name is Amy. And my name is Sarah. And we are your podcast hosts. So are you ready to challenge the status quo, have courageous conversations, and advocate for better health outcomes? Join the conversation at www.grittynurse.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mac Emerge podcast. We hope that this brings you new information and helps you up your game so you can deliver better patient care to our region. Remember, we are always looking for new talent and expertise to feature in our podcast. So if you're interested, please feel free to contact us at our email at macemergepodcast at gmail.com. We're also looking to improve your experience, so please submit your feedback as well. Again, thanks for listening. Let's all stay connected. Back emerge out!